Let's it fly. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. We are back here with another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. As always, I am your host, Troy Moriello, coming to you with another instant reaction, so to speak, although the game ended a few hours ago. Another reaction to another St. John's win, 6-0 and for the first time since 2009-2010 with an 85-64 to win over Maryland Eastern Shore. The Johnnies perfect, the lone remaining unbeaten Big East team. Welcome to the podcast, though, if you are joining us for the first time, or if you're back now for, I think, what is the seventh time, actually. Uh, thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, this podcast has, has grown every single week, so I, I really appreciate the support from everyone. Today, uh, we have Brendan Myers on. He comes back from the torch. We all remember him from a few weeks ago. He did an outstanding job uh, recapping the season opener. And he does a great job tonight talking about the blowout win over Maryland Eastern Shore. Full disclosure with this one, uh, I wasn't able to catch it in my um, in my normal means of watching games. I had to watch most of it uh, on my phone. I had a, a final to take for class. If you'll remember, some, um, I mentioned a few weeks ago, I'm taking graduate classes. And I had to take a final or, or work on a final in one of my classes. I had to go to the class, so uh, I watched it on my phone, but you know, you, you don't really get the full experience watching a game on your phone, but with that said, uh, great win for St. John's. LJ Figueroa is everything that they could have asked for. Mustafa Heron is the real deal. Shamori Pons impacted the game, and we saw the kind of impact that Shamori Pons can have on a game when he's not scoring. Obviously not against the best opponent, but nonetheless, a really nice showing for the Johnnies. Um... You know, just really from following the um, you know the game on my phone, like I said, got out to a nice uh, quick quick lead early, and then kind of dominated from there. Didn't really ever have to sweat it out or anything like that. Took the big lead into half. I know it got down to 15 in the second half, which isn't really concerning because I'm sure they weren't really uh, you know going full speed at that point. But you know, nice to kind of just put this team away after two emotional roller coasters of, of games at the Legends Classic last week. You know, to take a week off to decompress, and now they get a few more days off before really their final test of the non-conference slate against Georgia Tech in Miami on Saturday. So a good showing for St. John's. Nothing really crazy. Uh, That's why this podcast probably will be a little bit shorter here. That tends to happen when you only have one game in a week, and it's against Maryland Eastern Shore. So, um, But yeah, we hope that you uh, enjoy this recap with Brendan Myers. I'll be back on the flip side for a little bit of uh, my thoughts on some recent developments in the NCAA this week. Enjoy the interview, guys. Okay, we have Brendan Myers back from the torch. He was at the game tonight. Not covering it, working the game, though, um, of the St. John's 85-64 to win over Maryland Eastern Shore. Brendan did a great job a couple weeks ago for us after the season opener. I'm sure he's going to do a great job again today. Brendan, how you doing? I'm good. I'm honored to be 
be the first repeat guest on yeah. the Same Red podcast, yeah. that's for sure. A recurring guest, the first one ever. Yeah, yeah. I get you know, that that's that's a confidence builder for you. And now you work off of this because because you obviously did a very good job the first time. So now this is something we can build on for uh, the next coming weeks. You know, means a lot, Troy. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get let's get right into it. You know, not a whole lot to talk about. Um, I said in my open, you know, I wasn't able to watch the game. Obviously, I, I was watching it on my phone, so I was able to watch, but not really. Um, but if there was a game to kind of miss or not be able to watch, uh, you know, fully locked in, I'm guessing that this one was it. Correct. Yeah, I mean, you, had, you only had two guys on St. John's that took more than 10 shots, Mustafa and LJ, mm-hmm. and they were great tonight. I don't want to take anything away from them, but it was a it was a mundane performance, but in the end, I think that's what St. John's wanted. They didn't want a situation like Bowling Green a few weeks ago where it came down to the wire and it was actually an exciting game. It was a good wire-to-wire performance from St. John's. Obviously, there's things to work on, and we'll get into that a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. It, it was a needed victory for St. John's the way they came out and dominated Maryland Eastern Shore from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said in the open, you know, after the kind of emotional uh, roller coaster, so to say, in those two games in Brooklyn last week, it's kind of nice to not only, you know, you get the week off and then you kind of play a game that you're really probably not going full speed, uh, not too emotional, and then you get another couple days off where you really face your uh, final test of the of the. Uh, of the uh, preseason slate or non-conference slate against Georgia Tech. So I think that's going to gonna be kind of good for them and beneficial for them going forward. Yeah, and I want to say they didn't go full speed because that questions their effort, and they definitely were given it, – it was a full force of effort from St. John's. Okay. One thing that was impressive to me was after Shimori basically carried them through uh, the Legends Classic mm-hmm. – at the Barclays Center. So he took five shots tonight, and it wasn't a problem. He didn't look like he was forcing anything. He looked like he was fine tonight saying, LJ Mustafa, this is your game to shine. And I think that's a big step forward for the Redstone because that's something that they haven't been able to do in the past few seasons. When Shamori, or last year when, when Marcus Levette was still playing, when he wasn't on, the team looked pressed for scoring. And this year it doesn't, again, you know, Troy, we said it a few weeks ago on the podcast I was on. It, it is only Maryland Eastern yeah. Shore. You can't read too much into it yeah. either way. But to see Shamori able to kind of kind of step back and be a facilitator, it's a step in the right direction. Definitely. And what, what does that say about him as, as, a, as a player, as a person, as a teammate? You, you know, we know that he, he's pretty much capable of scoring 25 to 30, really any game, or at least 20 to 30, any game. Only takes five shots. Is really more of a facilitator with the six assists. You know, what, what does that say about him? In my opinion, that almost makes him more attractive to these NBA scouts when you see that he's willing to have games like this where he is passing the ball and, you know, being more of a facilitator to his teammates. It has to, and I think it's a testament to the way he's matured over his two-and-a-half now seasons in Queens. You know, I don't know, freshman or, in his freshman or sophomore seasons, would he have tried to force up threes uh, tonight to go shot for shot with LJ mm. and and uh, Mustafa I don't it could have happened but tonight it didn't get six assists to only two turnovers he wasn't forcing the issue and the two turnovers were basically outlet passes that got picked off by Maryland Eastern Shore that he knew he shouldn't have thrown in the first place so again he's stepping up in a floor general role which is good because the team right now as good as Justin Simon is I wouldn't say he's a true point guard either Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say Shamori Pons is a true point guard so with that the true point guard on the team. It's good that Shamori's stepping up and willing to say, my scoring can take a back seat to being a floor general if that's what the team needs on a given night. Exactly. And let, let's get into the, the 
two shining stars. We talked about Shamori. Uh, LJ and, and uh, Mustafa Heron tonight, you know, 45 points between them, what, 22 rebounds. Uh, Figueroa with the double-double. How was LJ Figueroa, like, like available for St. John's to get? Like, I feel like we, we didn't really hear that much about him. And this, this kid is a legitimate star. He, he's one of their best players. I'm sure there's a lot of coaches and recruiters kicking themselves right exactly. now. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the thing that I think that gets lost about OJ Figueroa was that he was a top recruit. He went to he went to a Division One program in New Mexico State, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And then the only reason he left was because of a coaching situation. You know, he had, it was never they didn't have the talent to play at Division One. is that he wasn't quite comfortable in the situation he was in. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the fact that St. John's was able to get on LJ Figueroa early is – I mean, he's been an X factor early on. He, it's funny. I was joking around with some people at the game tonight that he doesn't like staying on the ground. It seems like any time you watch Andre <laughs> Figueroa, he's always off the ground trying for a putback dunker, trying to sky through traffic for a rebound. He really is terrific to watch. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, we have to preface it like we did a couple weeks ago. But when you have that scoring option, I just feel like it makes the offense flow so much better when it's not just Shimori or just uh, Shimori and Heron, when it's Shimori and Heron and, and LJ and, you know, if Justin Simon or Marvin Clark is having a good game, I just feel like that makes the offense flow so much better than it has in uh, in years past. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the depth of this team going into the season and, you know, we'd like to see a little more of the bench. We'll talk about that in a little bit, Troy, but mm-hmm. it's good to see that the team has three and four solid scoring options. So one can kind of say, you know, in this tonight it was Shamori that said I had I had a high usage rate in the tournament at the Barclays Center, but tonight, you know, I'm gonna let Mustafa and LJ mm-hmm. uh, take control of the game. Mm-hmm. Talking about Mustafa, what uh what impressed you the most tonight about him? Just he's always in attack mode. There there's no off switch for Mustafa Heron. It looks like he's always going hundred miles an hour and I think that's such a a key for his game. He's always putting the defense on his heels and he can either pull up from three he can take a couple dribbles stop and pull up off of, off those few dribbles or he can take it all the way to the lane i don't know Troy. i'll shamelessly plug the torch again our, our <laughs> photographer nick bello took an outstanding shot oh, of mustafa heron's I, posterization i just saw that yeah yeah a maryland eastern short <laughs> player i mean he's always in attack mode and i think that's something that you need say because i mean analytics and stuff we talk about it a lot the three-point shot is becoming more popular but it's a risk you know there's a higher percentage when you drive in and so every team in my opinion needs a guy that can take it to the hole and that's what Mustafa is because he's always in attack mode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, going down the list now Mikey Dixon just seems like just the perfect you know six man uh, he played 27 minutes tonight he scored a little bit more 14 points but what I really like four of seven from uh, from three point range five of eight uh, field goals it just feels like he's he's the perfect guy to come off the bench make something happen score a couple points well I think what he shoot four or four in the uh, in the in the Legends Classic game against VCU yeah and then today five of eight I mean he's just so efficient uh, I really really like what Mikey Dixon brings to his team yeah and he really has a high basketball IQ you watch him and a lot of times he'll catch the ball off a, a driving kick he'll catch it on the wing and he has a great feel for whether the defender's closing out at a good speed or not he'll either pump fake and take a step to the right or left or he'll take it you know a couple steps in and pull it from the mid-range he has an incredible feel for the game that he's never really just forcing up a three you can tell he's always calculating and thinking about what's the best shot he can take in that situation so yeah i really agree he's been a great addition and he's a great sixth man to have because 
he's the kind of guy that you never know. Teams focus too much on guys like LJ Figueroa or Mustafa. That Becky Dixon can easily score 20 points in a given game. It's not tough for someone with that type of shooting ability. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Usually, I mean, you don't see guys come off the bench like that that can score as easily as he does. You know, And like you said, he really does become a weapon like that. Yeah, and again, it's it's something that the team hasn't had in in years past, nope. a bona fide score coming off the bench. Exactly, exactly. Um, in the in the two Legends Classic games, I think my two biggest concerns were the bench not opening up and the three-point defense. Uh, let's talk first about this bench. I'm looking at the minutes breakdown here. Dixon got 27 minutes off the bench, but then the next uh, highest total is Brian Trimble with 12. Greg Williams, for some reason, doesn't really seem to see the court very much. He only saw eight minutes. Can you explain it at all? Like, Do you have any sort of insight as to why the bench is not opening up past like six or maybe six and a half, seven guys? The only thing, and uh, this will obviously exclude Brian Trimble because he's a returning sophomore, but the only thing I can, because we're obviously not in practice every day yeah. with these teams watching these guys go. The only thing that I can think of is that guys like Marcellus, Greg Williams, and Josh Roberts, they're, they must be making freshman mistakes in practice. But in the same vein, you probably would in a game like this where you know, it was 52 to 28 at the yeah. half, and it never really got that close. I think Maryland Eastern Shore cut it to 15, and well, I think it was 71 56 yeah. at a certain point in the second half. But you would like to see a guy like Greg Williams get more than eight minutes off the bench because I, when Greg Williams was in the game, he, he made a play that really impressed me. He caught the ball. I think Maryland Eastern Shore was at zone was in zone at the time, and Greg Williams caught it in the corner right in front of the Maryland Eastern Shore bench, and he took an extremely quick first step and blew right past his defender. And to me, that's a great asset to have. You know, you have a guy because St. John's has struggled, frankly, when they're when they're going up against his own. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, the ball movement kind of becomes stagnant. Mm-hmm. So to have a guy that can take a quick first step like that and break down his own, it's something you would like to see a little more. But again not in practice every day watching them so you don't want to be too too critical mm-hmm. of the coaching staff but you know it's tough to think that a guy like Josh Roberts at 6'9 wouldn't be able to help the front court especially when tonight a guy like Marvin Clark was battling foul trouble all night and you have Keita down with knee surgery but I don't know those, those are just my thoughts <laughs> yeah no that, that makes total sense I just I just feel like if not now when you know you know with, with these guys this is the type of game that you would expect them, like you said, the, the huge lead at halftime. You would have expected the bench to open up a little bit more, and you know it's kind of interesting that the you know the difference between this, this starting lineup is, is mostly veterans, and this bench is kind of mostly uh, you know freshmen and sophomores, young, younger guys at least. But you you would expect to see you know at some point you know you know especially Williams would have gotten more than eight minutes at least. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Zach Rosiller, who you had on a few weeks ago, I, th- I believe it was the first guest ever on the Secret yeah, Podcast. He was. Yeah, he was. He, he <laughs> tweeted one of the most important things for St. John's fans to look at tonight was to see whether or not Mullen would, would go to the bench and open it up a little bit. And he went to Trimble early. I think Trimble checked in for the first time at the under-16 media timeout. Mm-hmm. But then other than that, we didn't see too much of Greg Williams. And Josh Roberts only got seven minutes to Greg Williams' eight. And Marcel Arlington came in at the end of the game. But... but it's just a little strange because you had people like John Rothstein, who's a college basketball insider for CBS Sports, saying that the staff was extremely high to Greg Williams, especially saying that he was a great 3 and D guy and should yeah. be a, a 
key part coming off the bench, but it hasn't lived up. So you got to think that they're just making too many freshman mistakes and practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that has to be it. I that 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 makes sense, and I'm gonna tell myself that I think to to help uh, accept. I think that's what all St. John's fans should tell themselves <laughs> to keep them sane at this point. <laughs> exactly. Um, the three point defense. Obviously, you have to factor in the opponent. Um, Forty one percent. still a little bit high for my liking, but I'm looking at the box score now. Uh, It was 7-14 in the second half when they had that huge lead. So I'm guessing that it was was One thing I want to add was that Ryan and Dino for Maryland Eastern Shore had all all of his baskets come on three-point attempts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, geez. And and most of them came in the second half later in the game. So I don't want to say St. John's uh, took their foot off the gas, but... I wouldn't read too, too much into that number of 41%, you know, because the game kind of got out of hand at, at points. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. And, and you never want to say that St. John's it was was, uh, was lightening up, but I would take that number 8 of 15 from behind the arc with the grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I was hoping to hear from, uh, from you. Uh, and then, you know, Marvin Clark... Another kind of rough game from him. He, his three-point shot has been off lately. One of five, as you said, he was in foul trouble. You know, so early. Uh, you know, is is there any sort of fix? Is he doing any, anything that you, that you notice, or is it just you know he's he's not finding the the, the basket? I don't because the thing with Marvin Clark is that he never takes bad shots and he never looks out of control. So that's why I wouldn't necessarily be worried about him if a few of your St. John's fan is because it, it never looks is it and I don't know Troy you could disagree with me here but it never looks like he's out of control and he always is playing within himself the shots he takes and is missing and has been missing lately aren't bad shots no. so I would think as as we continue to get into the, you know what? I guess basketball shape is the term, and yeah. Marvin Clark continues to keep taking shots at game speed. I think it'll come. I I wouldn't necessarily put the panic button on Marvin Clark. Plus, he's a guy who's been around the block. Mm-hmm. His final four experience with Michigan State. He's been around great winning culture. I he'll figure it out. I, I wouldn't be worried about Marvin Clark mm-hmm. at all. I think one more thing you have to factor in too is you know he's kind of playing out of position really or he is playing out of position really he has a lot more to shoulder than just you know playing his normal position getting his normal shots you know especially right. on the defensive end I think that you know we kind of have to take that into consideration too yeah you definitely do and you know it's classic St. John's basketball luck you finally have the big <laughs> guy you need in C.D. Keita and then within the first few games of the season he's out four to six weeks with, with knee surgery because I think if, if is playing right now I think you would see a different Marvin Clark choice because, as you mentioned, he is playing a little bit out of position. I think he's much more comfortable at the four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like you said, once Kata comes back, I really do think that's going to take a, a huge load off of Marvin Clark. And hopefully we'll see him kind of, you know, find his way back now in the next couple games. But I don't think that's anything to worry about, um, you know, and then, you know, going into Big East play. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't put the panic button with Marvin Clark. No. And now, you know, looking ahead to, to uh, Georgia Tech, should we should we be concerned at all, or do you think? Because uh, I think this is this is really the final test, I guess you could say, or really the final game that that, that you know it wouldn't stun me if they if they lost this game. But you know, all things considered, I think that they should really be undefeated now heading into uh, to Big East play. Yeah, I think that's the general consensus is that St. John's, with the non-conference schedule that everybody's made such a big fuss about, <laughs> is that they really there is no margin for error. With the schedule, they I think it is a must that they go into Big East play undefeated. And I mean, George Tech is a solid program, but again, it's with the talent on this roster, it 
Georgia Tech shouldn't present anything that St. John's can't handle, you know? Yeah, exactly. And But, hey, you know, 6-0 and right now, Kings of the Big East for Yeah, now. I mean, there's a reason why they, actual, they actually play the games and not just look at them on paper, so. Exactly, exactly, man. Uh, thank you again for uh, taking some time out of your night to talk to us. I'm sure you're uh, busy with everything, just getting off work and everything. But uh, I really appreciate it, as always, man. You're, you're the best with this. Always love being on, Troy. All right, uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk to you soon. Maybe, maybe next time we'll get you on after you know, uh, or maybe we'll get you on you know against the Division One school, a real Division One school. Maybe maybe Power Five school. We, we'll even uh, throw you a bone there. Hey, no knocks on University of Maryland Eastern Shore. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Thanks, Troy. All right, bye. All right, we want to thank. Brendan Myers, as always, he does a great job. The first ever recurring guest on the podcast. Can you believe it? We've uh, we've made it that far that we have recurring guests now. But uh, yeah, thanks to Brendan for um, being the MVP there. I knew he'd do a good job, uh, kind of recapping the game that I that I couldn't do. Um, he was there with athletics, and he does he does a really good job as always with that. So thank you to Brendan. If you like Brendan, let me know. Uh, we're definitely gonna have him on later. And like I said, maybe we'll actually have him on when we play a power five school or you know a big E school or something. Um, but yeah, really quickly, just my quick thoughts. I've seen a lot of uh, fuss, I guess, or a lot not fuss. I've seen a lot of um, you know talk on Twitter, especially yesterday with these new net, what are they net ratings or something with the NCAA. Um, and, you know, people not understanding them. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand them at all, these net rankings. Uh, I still don't understand what what quadrant rankings are, and I don't understand how you get a quadrant. Like, I don't understand the, the thought process that goes into them, and I sure as hell don't understand the net. Uh, what, I, what I will say is this. That that becomes a lot less critical to us if we keep winning. So I'm not going to focus on the net and the the uh, quadrants or whatever. I do kind of look at the Ken Palm because I like that. But to be honest with you, I don't care about all that. I just want to keep winning. Let's just keep winning. Let's keep winning these games that we're supposed to win. And the rest of that metric stuff will take care of it you know will take care of itself and i'm sorry if i sound like a like a meathead here that i don't care about these uh advanced metrics or whatever but i I don't let's you know let's go on the court and let's win some games and the rest will take care of itself with the stuff that you know the computers make that we can't control so that's my take on that uh if you if you disagree with me or something let me know but uh, i think a lot of people will tend to agree with me on that one but yeah that just about wraps up the show for us tonight Thank you again to Brendan Myers for coming on uh, on this kind of a slow week. It's a little bit. It's not really a shorter show, but we're but it's a little bit of a uh, less action-filled show tonight compared to last week. Obviously, when we had the big Legends Classic game. But thank you to Brendan Myers for coming on. He did a great job as always. Thank you all for listening. You have done a great job listening as always uh, to this podcast. And uh, we will see you guys next week. We have Georgia Tech coming up on Saturday, so we'll have some recap to that one. Maybe maybe I'll do a, a podcast right after that one. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I kind of want to have someone on to discuss, so we'll see. But I will obviously keep you guys posted, as always, on Twitter at Troy Moriello, T-R-O-Y-M-A-U-R-I-E-L-L-O. On Twitter, hit me up if you have any feedback, any comments, or any concerns with that. But I hope everyone has a good week. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving as well. I will be back next week for another edition edition of the Seeing Red podcast. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.